Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to your horoscope for the week of February 26, 2023. I am your astrologer, Nadia Shaw. Thank you for being here. It is a remarkable astrological week, without a doubt, big moves happening in the sky now. I gotta say, all the glitz, the glamour, and the glory is likely going to go to the most romantic day of the year, which happens this week on Wednesday in parts of the Americas and on Thursday in the rest of the world, Jupiter meeting Venus in the sky, the higher benefic meeting the lower benefic as the ancients understood it. Well, this magnifies the energy of both. It brings that much more a spirit of possibility and optimism to all matters of Venusian, love, beauty, desire, attraction, but also art, pleasure, joy, and social interactions as well. This is understanding beauty differently and being able to recognize and celebrate our own unique beauty in the process. But I also see this energy as representing love, yes, but very often we think of Venus as just the goddess of love, and we just ascribe that to romantic love. But there are a lot of other ways in which to bring love, especially in moments that maybe it's difficult to remember that perhaps we can bring love to this moment. Sometimes within a context, that may be hard to bring forward, but if we can bring love towards ourselves in a given moment of our lives, well, that just might be the most powerful way to tap into some of this energy. It is Venus meeting Jupiter in the sign of Aries, after all. And the energy of Aries is interesting. On the one hand, it's highly individual. It is the energy of the first breath. But there's something about this that has to do with trusting yourself, having impulses that are felt by you, and knowing on some level that there's something within it that you can trust and back up with your own action. Of course, Venus meeting Jupiter is very famously love at first sight in the sign of Aries, that is. And yes, if you have Venus and Aries, for example, in your natal chart, that is something you may need to be aware of from time to time, that love at first sight tendency. Well, that can be a lot of fun, right? It can feel like quite a high, but sometimes a more measured perspective gets you to a more stable love in the longer term. That could be a lesson that all of us may need to remember right about now. But I was also looking at this, and you know I did produce a short video that is on my YouTube channel as well, where I talked about the more romantic side of this energy, along with some quick ideas uh, based on your sign. So you may want to review that again. But what I will say is, I was thinking about this energy quite a bit. I was thinking about Venus, right? We know her as goddess of love. Mythologically, she was so attractive. She was so desirable that fights would break out among the gods who so wanted to be with her. Um, but she ended up having a whole lot of lovers and she ended up having a whole lot of children as well. Now, some of her children with Mars in particular. Now, Mars famously was her great love or at least her most irresistible passion. She was so drawn to Mars, although again, she saw beauty in all kinds of divine and mortal uh, people. 
in the world. Um, but with Mars specifically, she did have a few children. Um, I'm thinking about Timor, who was the godly embodiment of fear. Thinking about the twins, Concordia and Metis, who represented uh, the goddess of harmony and also the god of terror. And it's interesting that she would give birth to twins who stood at this opposite end of perhaps some spectrum that we can understand. As I was considering some of these children that she's had, Eros, right, which is Cupid, of course, we would associate that with her. Uh, that has to do with desire and the ways in which desire can have us feeling very powerless. But there's also something very alluring, very addicting about those moments when we feel Cupid's arrow, how it propels us forward and sort of overtakes our understanding of what becomes most important to us. When we are drawn to somebody, there's a certain priority they start to take within our psyche. You know, for more on this, there's a wonderful interview I did with Sabrina Monarch a few months back. And I'll try to remember to link it below, but she talks about understanding uh, Eros and Psyche as asteroids in the astrology chart and just dived into the mythology in such a beautiful way that it really left an impression. So you may want to look at that, but what I will say is, yes, we think about Eros and the fun and the addictive quality, but also another one of her children is Phoebus, and Phoebus is a god of fear. So we can see here that Love, the goddess of love, doesn't just give birth to ease and harmony and beauty. That's one part of it. But there is a range of expression that come forward from her. And it isn't necessarily about who she's having those children with, right? I mean, you think about Mars. She has those twins with Mars. Goddess of harmony and god of terror. And so I found that really interesting that as much as we judge certain things as good or bad or we consider how it is that something is loving and is not loving, there's actually greater nuance to that as well. Sometimes when we feel fear, there's a type of fear that is an expression of self-love. Right? The survival instinct that we have as human beings that has been spoken of by many a philosopher, many a, a psychologist as well, that part of us that wants to survive, the will to survive, that is a prompt of self-love as well. Self-preservation is a prompt of self-love. But how we bring that forward do we bring that forward with gentleness and kindness towards ourselves? Or do we bring that forward in a way that ultimately is not thinking at all, irrespective of the destruction we cause along the way in our desire to uh, hold on to some sense of self-preservation? And is it truly self-preservation? Or is it that we are psychologically responding to a situation where we think it's about our survival, but it really isn't. That's actually rooted in some deeper projection that's more rooted in our wounds and our trauma as well. And so this is the journey of self-knowledge, right? To explore this, to understand 
oneself, one's motivations, and where it is that certain responses, especially those automatic responses, where do they arise from? Well, it's by understanding that, that we then get to decide whether or not it's working for us, and especially where it's not working for us. Well, the great thing about being a human being is we get to figure out what power we do have, and we get to change course using the power at our disposal. Where it is that we make choices to affirm self-value, self-respect, I'll tell you, there's no way that a person who loves themselves, who respects themselves, cannot then be loving in the world. If someone says they love themselves, but they treat other people like crap, that tells you right away that there is a, a huge disconnect there and that their actions are not rooted in love and they're not rooted in self-love as well. Again, this is taking into consideration the ways in which we project older stuff. I'm not talking about in a moment where it truly is that you have to uh, preserve your life, for example. We're not talking about that very, very extreme circumstance that very, very few of us, and especially those of us watching right now, those of you watching right now, are likely to experience in your lives. But the overwhelming majority of us, yeah, chances are where it is that we're being good to ourselves, it becomes a lot easier to be good to others. And where it is that we're not being very good to ourselves, well, it shows up in the ways in which we treat other people as well. But it also shows up in how we perceive the actions of others, how much we're taking personally and how much we're just allowing other people to be whom it is that they need to be. Especially if they're grown and especially if uh, they're not hurting anybody in the process of living their lives. You know, I have to say, I met uh, some incredible people along my journey. I'm still traveling right now. And I have come to Brazil, of all places. I literally uh, flew from Tunisia, switched planes in uh, Frankfurt and Munich, and then a direct flight from Munich here uh, to Rio de Janeiro, uh, just to catch the tail end of the carnival. And there were all kinds of motivations for that. But I will say, here in Brazil, I met a couple of incredible women so far. And if anybody else out there is in Rio de Janeiro, I'd love to meet you as well. Just use the contact form on my website. Let's make that happen. But yes, these incredible women that I had a chance to meet. Um, and we spent some time earlier today. And they were telling me, and especially Natalia, she is an astrologer. And she was talking to me about the fact that Rio de Janeiro is a Pisces. The birthday of Rio de Janeiro, the city, takes place on March 1st of this year and on March 1st of every year. But on this year, what's happening is, of course, the conjunction of Venus and Jupiter. And she was exploring what it is that that could actually mean for the city itself. Well, I'll tell you, as I was walking around today, because I, I just got in late last night, the first thing I noticed was... I felt like I could breathe in a way that I just haven't felt in a bit of a while. I just felt something within me open on a level of heart, on a level of love and self-love at that. The thing I really, really loved about the city, one of the things that really made an impact 
was the huge way in which people not only can be themselves, but they can put it out there, like completely out there, whom it is that they are, however it is that they feel called to do that. And so, yes, one of the first things I wanted to do when I got here, I will tell you honestly, I wanted to put on some shorts. I wanted to feel that wind for myself. And I loved that I saw all kinds of body types doing the same. And I thought that was a beautiful thing, that whoever you are, you can celebrate that exactly as you are. The freedom of that, the freedom to be yourself, what an incredible gift that is. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it is that this very profound energy of love uh, taking place on the birthday of a city, how that shows up in the year ahead. But having said that, how is it that this energy might show up in your life, no matter where you are on the planet? Because even love, even the ability to express ourselves and be ourselves, depending on where we are, can sometimes feel really restricted. And that's something that I will say I saw up close. I saw what it does to a person to not really be able to be completely themselves to express themselves as they want. Wow. It is tiring. It is draining. And it makes me appreciate that I've always taken that for granted, that I could just walk into a space and have the full expectation that I can be honestly and completely myself and that'll be respected, that that'll be okay, that I'm safe to do that. What a gift that is. But also... That ultimately is rooted in not only self-love, right? But it's also rooted in how capable we are of loving each other. How able are we to truly love each other? Well, I think when it is that we truly can love ourselves, but also a very profound way to give love is to accept another person as they are. Especially if that person isn't doing anything to hurt anybody. They just want to live their truth and live their life and wear what they want to wear, walk where they want to walk, be themselves. That willingness to say, okay, you don't got to get it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to agree with it. But simply allowing the space, wow, what a profound statement of love. And especially with Venus conjunct Jupiter in Aries. This is the energy of the first breath, right? But think about what the first breath entails. Normally, that's when we've just entered this world and we do that bare, right? We do that completely open to the elements. And we might have some fluid on us uh, from our biological mom, right? As we start taking that first breath. Now, depending on the ways in which <laughs> you were given birth to, uh, sometimes that first breath comes on kind of slow, right? Like that's the more modern way uh, that I can't believe I know this since I'm not meant to be a mom in this lifetime. But yeah, there's one method of delivery that has to do with not cutting the umbilical cord right away, not smacking a baby on the butt to evoke that first breath, but rather to allow that child to find its first breath in the first 20, 30 minutes after they have exited, but still are attached by the umbilical cord. Um, if you know better or whatever, you can share that below. But 
that's something that I saw something about on TV once. <laughs> and that's as far as it went. Um, for all that, though, how that first breath is understood, how we take it, ultimately, it is a state of vulnerability. But it's also a state of empowerment, right? Breath itself is us taking up space. And taking up space is an assertion that we deserve to take up space. And that comes from love and only love that allows us to truly do that in that much more a beautiful way and an empowering way as well. Now we have another energy playing out that I think is rather fascinating. Um, and this is an energy that actually I feel is a bit of a continuum. It allows us to put into words, to finalize, to come to agreements, to put it on paper. Um, what ultimately might have just been a turning point or a realization or a reality check moment that might have found us two weeks ago. And so what happened two weeks ago? Well, that was when we had the Sun and Saturn meeting in the sky as we moved towards the very end of the sign of Aquarius. Well, it's this week, a day after we have the most romantic day of the year. It is going to be Mercury and Saturn that meet at the very end of the sign of Aquarius. It is going to be next week that Saturn changes signs. Oh my God, here we are. We're so close. Thank you for your patience with Saturn special horoscopes. Be on the lookout for that. I'll, and I am doing my darndest to get those to you. Thank you for your enthusiasm and all the people who've been asking me about that. I love you so much. Thank you. Having said that, yeah, this is very powerful. I feel like this is where we take whatever it was that ultimately started off possibly personally, but it was a reality check moment, even if it was hard. It was a moment of evaluation as to the sacrifices that have been made, but also where we're done, where we don't want to sacrifice anymore, or where it might not be worth it to us anymore. Now, this is where we finally give word to it, right? We finally speak of it. We talk to somebody about it. We say that, you know what, this situation isn't working for me. Or we come to an agreement. But this is a very powerful turning point moment, not only because of how it brings together communication, Mercury, with reality and with making a choice and making a decision that ultimately is rooted in taking ownership for our own happiness. That's actually what I think Saturn is about when you look at the higher expression of Saturn. Saturn transits are always an opportunity to own our own happiness, to identify what is in our power and what isn't, and to make a choice, to make a decision. And it's interesting because that's kind of the definition of maturity as well which is what Saturn is often associated with. It's interesting, I recently shared on my social media uh, some clips of my interview with Armand Diaz. Armand is amazing. Uh, you may know he's a PhD. He's the author of several books, and he's going to be teaching a class on prediction in five easy steps. So in five easy classes, you're going to get uh, really a, a good hold of understanding on 
uh, prediction with his class that's coming up really soon. And you've got just a couple of days left to choose your tuition rate, of course. Um, but it was so interesting because in one of the clips that I shared, Saturn transiting the first house. So he says that this tends to be a time where you prioritize yourself. You listen to yourself. You decide what's right for you, but also what's not right for you. And you decide that you're going to stick with it. And that's the way that you're going to go. And there were a couple of voices here or there that were like, no, I disagree that my Saturn in my first house really sucked. Yeah, I, I get it. I remember having that experience as well. However, most people agreed. Most people were like, yeah, that's exactly what it was for me. And everybody always says Saturn is so hard. But for me, it really helped me to make choices and decisions that were right for me, that were good for me. And I thought about that. And I thought about how I think a part of it does depend on your age and how used to you've been welcoming in different Saturn transits as you move through your life. It depends on the placement of your natal Saturn as well. So the natal Saturn, is it well aspected or not? That tells you something about how comfortable you are with Saturnian energy. What is being aspected as Saturn is moving through that first house, right? Is it making really difficult aspects to other power players, especially your moon or your sun, for example? And so these are some considerations, of course, that you do want to keep at the forefront. And yet, even if a Saturn transit is hard, it is a blessing because sometimes it is hard for us to get to the place where we do take full ownership of our happiness, where we accept where it is that we don't have power and identify where it is that we do and what we're going to do about it, where we get serious about our lives and serious about being whom it is that we believe is going to make us happy. Well, it's now that at least we're able to give voice to it. At least we're able to give words to it. And that is a very powerful way of moving forward with some decision that very likely is already done. It's already made. Like you already know what's right for you. Now it's about declaring it. And I think we're going to see a lot of people do that. Now, it's so interesting, right? These energies, the most romantic day of the year, but also this very serious energy happening just a day apart. And that tells me that in some ways, these end up balancing each other out, whereas Venus and Jupiter alone can be super lush, can be just going way too far with the good life, whatever that is for you. But because Mercury and Saturn are meeting in the sky, it also represents us being able to stay grounded, being able to stay honest with ourselves in the process. It's one thing to say that you love or you found love or you have self-love. It's another thing to be really honest about how we're living it and what is being shown to us. To be really honest about our own thought patterns, for example, that's a part of Mercury also. Now, also, I wanted to say, look, Mercury meets Saturn at the very end of the sign of Aquarius. This is a big culmination point and culmination moment. Think back. It's been since 2020. At first, we had Saturn sort of going in and out of Aquarius. But then by the time we got to the end of 2020, Saturn moved in and has been here 
in the sign of Aquarius uh, until a week, next week, right? And with Mercury representing awareness, I feel like many of us are going to be more aware and more insightful as to what some of the larger lessons have meant to have been for us over the course of this time. What's changed? Where did you take ownership for your happiness? And what area of life did you get honest with yourself, even if it was hard? And as a result, experienced how it was that you could own not just your power, but your happiness as well. What needed to change within you, whether that was just the way you were looking at things or more practical steps that you might have taken to move towards an authentic happiness within you. Well, that's part of the energy at this time as well. I want to also add, you know, of course, having these, uh, all these Saturn being honest with yourself kind of energies here. It's interesting because I recently had some really powerful experiences during my travels uh, and that, you know, tends to happen. And the journey is never what you think it's going to be, right? It's never about what you think it is. Um, I'll tell myself, okay, I want to go see something, some monument or whatever. But it's about who you become in the process, right? It's about how it is that experiences that you have the impression they leave, but also how they change you. And in this way, every place I ever visit, it like in a way becomes a part of me. And so in my travels recently, I had a couple of really interesting experiences. So one was in Tunisia. I loved Tunisia for a lot of reasons, right? One reason was that it was like Montreal. It was literally like Canada. Um, as I, I moved through the spaces, I just felt safe and respected and people were so kind and respectful. And uh, I just found it quite phenomenal um, how there's this space. And, and yeah, in a lot of ways, the experience in terms of how people act with each other, how people talk, uh, how people treat each other, how people you know decide how they're going to present themselves, are able to be themselves... Uh, it was very interesting how it appeared to be a lot like um, what I was familiar with, of course, being Canadian. Um, but I also had experiences that really weren't that way. And I had experiences sometimes personally, but a lot of observation. And because I'm sensitive to these things, right, I would notice these things. But I really saw how there are parts of the world where... Um, I just realized that I have taken my agency for granted. I have taken for granted that I can walk into a space with the full expectation that there is going to be equality and respect here. Um, that I could fully and loudly be myself in any space that I'm in. That has been my experience pretty much all my life. And to be confronted with the realization that that's not the way it is for everyone. That's certainly not the way it is for women in some parts of the world, but also of certain economic status as well. And it leaves me in the space right now where I'm kind of having to reconcile with the fact that I have wonderful, positive things to say. And, you know, I love uplifting people and giving people hope. Like that's that's the purpose behind everything I do, is to be that voice of hope in someone's life. And a way in which to be hope is, of course, to 
remind you that your happiness is in your own hands and all those things that are a part of what I really believe. But I am able to live that in a way that others can't. And so it, it leaves me a little conflicted. I want to be really honest about that. That's where I am right now in my journey. Where it's easy for me to say, yes, you want to be happy, go make yourself happy, right? But then there are these real systems and structures and sometimes insidious, sometimes pervasive that don't make it that easy. They don't make it as easy as it has been for me in a way that I just never knew before. I could get on a plane and come to Brazil. And as soon as I arrived, the freedom that I felt, the lightness of that, and that freedom on so many levels, just knowing that I could completely be me now, that is something that many people might never experience. And so I can say to you, go make yourself happy. And I believe that. But also know that if you are in a place in the world and in a place in your life where you can do that, let us not take that for granted like I did pretty much my whole life. Because that, to the depth and ease with which we are able to do that, isn't necessarily available to everybody in the world. And that should make us really, really grateful. Now, outside of that, it's also left me feeling really powerless in a lot of ways. And I'm having to look at that and confront that in my own way. What that's going to mean for my work and in the larger picture, I don't know yet. But what I do know is I have found a new level of commitment to my shorts. <laughs> I know in the past that I have been very conscious of, you know, if I'm sharing certain things, am I not going to show certain angles? Am I, you know, not going to show my legs or whatever? Now I'm like, I'm letting it hang out. That's it. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to jump and dance in the streets and enjoy my life to the maximum because it is a privilege to be able to do that. And I, for whatever reason, some lottery really that I had no power over because of where I was born, because of where I was raised, I have that ability to dance in the streets, to enjoy my life. And so at least for today, until I know what else I can do, at least for today, that is what I will do. What I love about this week for us, well, there's so much here. It's a powerful and meaningful astrological moment. Well, look, dancing in the streets or being yourself and wearing what you want and your expression of beauty, I think a lot of that really comes down to Venus conjunct Jupiter and Aries. I think I'm feeling that right along with everybody else. And so if you are able to enjoy yourself the way that you want, do it, right? Just do it. Don't wait. Do it for all the people who can't. But more than that, do it for you. Especially with Venus meeting Jupiter in the sky, it can only lead to good things. And that's the energy that you want to trust right now. I do also want to add, and I should say on Thursday, Mercury will change signs moving into the sign of Pisces. Now, this is a really interesting placement for Mercury. The ancients believed that Mercury in Pisces is not strong, right? Is not necessarily a great placement. And yet we see so many brilliant writers 
with this placement and that is because we work harder at what it is that we desire to express and to share and to say. We contemplate the deeper significance, but we're also able to choose our words wisely. Let those words be rooted in love. Let them be fully grounded in love and the way that you speak to others, but especially the way in which that you speak to yourself. Even love is a privilege. Even having time to contemplate self-love, wow, what a gift that is. And if you're watching this, chances are you have that gift available to you. So use it, but also enjoy it to the max. Love your life, whatever it may be today, so that you can, from there, find even more to love going forward from here. Well, thank you so much for watching. What do you love about this week? Let me know in the comments below. I love reading you guys and to prove it to you. Here are some of my most recent favorite comments. Thank you to everybody who likes, who comments, who subscribes, who shares, who thumbs up. All of it means so much. I'm truly so grateful for it. And of course, if you want to know how all this wonderful stuff this week, including the most romantic day of the year, speaks to you in your sign, log on to NadiaShawSuperstars.com where you get expanded, exclusive video scopes each and every week. For as low as just $3 a month, we'll choose your membership rate. Now, higher tiers get you things like all access passes to Synchronicity University events, consultations with me, and so much more, all of this in the superstar space at NadiaShawSuperstars.com. Links are in the description below. Synchronicity University presents some truly incredible programs on offer for you now. And you've got literally two days left to choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class, an unheard of rate to learn from these astrologers, really big dog astrologers, and perhaps one of the biggest dog astrologers out there is coming to Synchronicity University as part of the March 2023 speaker series. Stephen Forrest, the one and only Stephen Forrest has been kind enough to provide us with one of his previous talks called Grace in Debility. Now, I spoke earlier about how planets, some planets really like being in certain signs. Uh, other planets, like for example, Mercury does not like to be in the sign of Pisces. And so there is a specific way to understand one classification of not a great placement for a sign, uh, and that is called Debility. And this is where we're going to have Stephen Forrest go through specifically understanding planets in debility. And so this is looking at the traditional planets where the ancients said, the sign, really not good. Well, how can you interpret that differently? How can you see it with eyes of love? How can you be empowered by that placement at this time? And so to understand more about debility, uh, but also to explore it in a whole new way. I think that this talk is so important because ultimately it becomes so expansive in how it is. It helps you to see all of your chart differently in a much more empowered perspective as well. Join us for Stephen Forrest. He's going to kick off the March 2023 speaker series. And then we've got other speakers as well. Yeah, as low as just $5 a class, look, you get other speakers as well. In addition to this watch party that we're going to have hosted by me of Stephen Forrest, previous talk, 
we'll have live classes as well and they will include some of my friends i'm thinking about maria de simone a lot of you out there really love her right she is amazing she's brilliant well she's going to be teaching a class on prediction and sharing some of her most favorite techniques that you can start to apply right away to your advantage and to understanding how to make prediction when looking at the astrological chart and actually in the interview that she did with me she shared real tips like she actually shared stuff that she actually uses so you can start to apply those techniques right away you'll see how good that they work and from there you'll be able to grow that much more by taking uh, her class sitting in on her live talk as part of the March 2023 speaker series. Linda Kubota Bird. I love Linda so much. I really got to know her when I interviewed her recently and um, really her conversation with me changed the way that I look at otherwise really challenging aspects. And so yes, she is going to talk about looking at your chart and using your chart with a greater sense of consciousness, exploring and looking for the love in what other people will tell you. Oh my God, this is bad, run away. She's like, no, really good things can happen as a result of something that is notoriously challenging, whether it's on the other side, whether it's what you learn about yourself in the process and so much more. There are ways in which every aspect, no matter how hard, can empower you and can change you for the better. So she's going to help us to explore that, to change your whole approach as you approach the chart. We're going to have Omari Martin. Now, Omari is sort of his a legend in his own right, I will say. He's been on the circuit teaching around the world for so many years. And now this is really one of the first times I've had to really sit down with him and talk to him. And it's been just wonderful. He's such a loving person. Um, and I think that you'll really enjoy his talk. He'll be looking at career, vocation, what's called vocational astrology, which is career, work, and money. That's what we're going to be looking at, the career, work, money houses, and how you can tap into that for understanding the right vocation for you, but also what it is that you feel called to do. You'll be able to look at your chart a little bit differently as a result. We're going to have Nadia Shah, so I'm going to be coming. I'm going to be teaching an early look at Neptune and Aries. Yes, I mean, we still have Saturn and Pisces, Pluto and Aquarius coming up just in the month of March. But bigger picture, a little further down the road, in 2025, we will start feeling Neptune in Aries. So this is really, really big. And Neptune and Aries, well, this is going to change the way we understand spirituality for many years to come. Our own spiritual search is going to take on a different form um, and how we approach our understanding of spiritual meaning as well. Neptune has been in the sign of Pisces for over 10 years. And over the course of this time, we've really seen how astrology has become so much more mainstream um, and I think this is because more and more of us are looking to feel part of the larger whole. It is about how that spiritual search is leading us to understand our connection to everyone and everything. And astrology expresses that in such a beautiful way. Well, what happens when the planet of spirituality, Neptune, 
moves into a fire sign Aries that is all about the self, right? What happens then? Well, I'll give you a bit of a preview. It's like the will becoming spiritualized. The individual and your, your own ability to exercise your free will becomes spiritualized and so much more. So we'll be exploring that in the talk that I will be doing with you. So yes, sign up now for as low as just $5 a class with Choose Your Tuition Rate. I'm so proud of Choose Your Tuition Rate. It is available to you now and literally just for two more days. For two more days, you get to enjoy Choose Your Tuition Rate. Log on to synchronicityuniversity.com. Learn more about all of these talks and sign up now. Links are in the description below. Synchronicity University presents Dr. Armand Diaz. Now, I mentioned him earlier, right? He's coming to Synchronicity University, teaching a five-part course on prediction in five easy classes, five easy steps. You are going to understand how to predict with this energy. And I think he's the perfect person to teach it. He's authored so many books, so many articles as well. He's a brilliant person and brilliant astrologer. Uh, my friend Armand Diaz, really, I'm so grateful that he's bringing some of his skills to Synchronicity University. And so you can learn a lot more about all the different things you're going to learn. You're going to learn all kinds of different predictive techniques. And you'll be able to apply it right away as you take these classes and you'll see your own predictive skills go up in the span of just five short weeks as you're exposed to all kinds of different techniques. So you can learn a lot more about what you're gonna learn and you can sign up now at synchronicityuniversity.com. Links are in the description below. Remember, you've got just two days left as we start this week to choose your tuition rate. It's a very small amount of time. And so, yeah, jump on it. I think that you will absolutely enjoy learning from Armand Diaz. Again, links are in the description below. Synchronicity University presents my dear friend, Michael Barwick, one of the most brilliant astrologers I know, and also uh, has incredibly popular classes. This is the third time he's coming back with a class at Synchronicity University. Uh, students love him. He's always really prepared. He's really brilliant. He's a Gemini with a Scorpio rising, and you can just see this love of knowledge, but also this depth of understanding. Well, Michael will be teaching about relationships, and I think this is wonderful. Michael has been in a long-term relationship, and yeah, he has an understanding of how to understand and explore relationships, what they mean to you or another person, but also how two people get along, how they interact. All of that is going to be explored and so much more. So relationships are one of those things that a lot of people come to astrology to understand, right? It's about what's going on with this person. Is there a future with this person? Does this person love me or not, right? That's something I know if you are a professional astrologer, you've probably heard people say that, or maybe that's what brought you to astrology and, and wanted to explore astrology to begin with. Well, look, Michael Barwick is going to help you to at least understand the question and what's motivating it, but also to consider what potential could be there between two people. I have seen people make all kinds of things work, and I've also seen the reverse as well. However, there are certain aspects that can speak to stick-to-itiveness, long-termness, and so much more. How well the two of you get along or not, what attracts you to each other or not, and again, so much more to understand about love and astrology. Michael Barwick, 
Synchronicity University, once again, one of our most popular teachers. You've got just two days left to choose your tuition rate, as low as just $5 a class, an unheard of rate to learn from the one and only Michael Barwick. Links are in the description below. And thank you. Thank you so much again for watching. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your sacred journey with me as I share mine with you as well. I'm so grateful for all of it. So I think I shared a lot about what's happening in my life in the bulk of the main horoscope. Um, and just thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. I appreciate each and every one of you so much. And yes, if you're in or near Rio de Janeiro and you want to connect, reach out. I hope that that happens. Thank you again. It'll be a great week. Enjoy. Welcome to the exciting rebirth of Superstar featuring choose your membership rate as low as just $3 a month. At Superstar, you get expanded exclusive video scopes each and every week, unlimited access to special horoscopes, class passes for Synchronicity University, consultations with me, and so much more. All of this in the Superstar space. I look forward to meeting you there.